0: I can think of moments where I was in like a New York boardroom and get this great presentation. They'll be like, oh, this is so great. We want to hire you. What part of the city are you from? And I'd be like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, I'm not from the city here. I'm, I'm from Lincoln,
1: Nebraska. From Grindstone Media, this is Nebraska Made, a narrative journey through the lives of Nebraska's most inspiring business leaders we unpack the intimate details of how our guests navigated obstacles and built their companies in pursuit of the good life. Today, we hear from possibly the most creative person in Nebraska, Clint Runge, the founder of the former Ad Age Agency of the Year, ArchRival. Our guest today, Clint Runge, is so outside the box that he legally added an exclamation mark to his first name. That's right. It's Clint Rangi. Clinton understands marketing and youth culture maybe more than anyone else in Nebraska, and he's learned this through years and years of trial and error. Originally from South Dakota, small town,
0: just outside of Sioux Falls. If you know this, if you know the area, it was a great uh, you know small town rural life type of uh, living. When was your first business that you ever started? I think the first one I would consider would be sixth grade news. My friend, uh, my best friend at the time in sixth grade, we realized there was so much drama happening in our class that we should create our own newspaper about it. And so we created eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper. We would write down all the news of the week and uh, and all the rumors that's going on in sixth grade. And then we would do that front to back and then we would sell that for 10 cents uh, to all our friends. And what was crazy is we didn't copy them. like We hand wrote each single one of them. So for 10 cents a page, which is insane to think about, but that would be the first business we did
1: at this point were people labeling you an entrepreneur already, Uh, I've never even heard the term
0: entrepreneur (laughs) until like, you know, years later out of college, to be honest with you. But, uh, if I always had my hand in the mix of trying to come up with something that people would buy, yeah. Or pay
1: me money for Yeah. Uh, so that's always been part of the, part of the show. So it's the early 90s and Clint has no idea that he's gonna become an entrepreneur one day. He didn't grow up doing any of the startup pitch competitions or coding boot camps that a lot of young people do today. Like many other successful business leaders in the state, he found himself moving to Nebraska to attend the university. So I went to the University of Nebraska,
0: went through architecture school there, uh, realized somewhere along the way that architecture, I loved problem solving. Uh, but the industry of architecture has a real hierarchy to it and being young and a doer, right. I want to go do things and make things. I realized that I didn't want to wait 20, 25 years to go make something significant in architecture. I wanted to do something now, um, uh, because of that hierarchy, I thought, well, maybe there's something else I could do. And so I looked at advertising, advertising. It seems like maybe young ideas happen faster. So, um, gotten, got a degree in advertising as well. Um, and, uh, so graduated with both of those degrees. You know, I really tried to figure out what I was going to do. I looked around at the world of creative and nothing really seemed to fit me, if I'm being honest. And so my friend in uh, now and my business partner, Charlie, we, somewhere along the way there in architecture school, we decided let's just do our own thing now. And so I was creating ads and doing design projects for you know, nothing, because no one pays a broke college student who who doesn't know anything. The local burrito shop, I would do ads for them, and in exchange, they'd pay me food. The oil change company down the road, I would do work for them, and they'd give me free oil changes. Like, I was trying to piece my entire life together, (laughs) you know, just do an exchange of work, uh, which is actually a pretty interesting concept if you think about it. Maybe it could be done today. So, I started just by doing that, and then that was my temporary hold until I could figure out what I really wanted to do. And over time, every time I thought about that question, I would look at what I was doing right now and I would think actually what I'm doing is what I want to do. Like, this is pretty fun. I'm having a good time. And yeah, well, so I'll come back to that question. And then six months later, a year later, like I'd keep coming back to it. And each time I'd say, actually, I'm having a lot of fun doing this. So I, I just keep doing it. And that just continued honestly until today. I'm still, I look back, I'm like, when am I going to do what? I, do something else? It's like, actually, you know what? I enjoy doing it, what I'm doing right now. So, you know, here I am.
1: Do you have a name for yourself now? 3D Sculpt.
0: I can't even say it. It's so, <laughs> like, there's so many S's and T's in the name. You can't even say it out loud. It's 3D Sculpt. We realized, actually, we need, you know, we need something that's more philosophical. We thought about, well, what is the style that we have? You know, what's our conceptual approach? And it feels like everything that we're doing Really feels against the grain of what traditional advertising is like. So when someone hires us to do something, they're like spending. I would just open up a newspaper. Anyone spending money in a newspaper, I'd say that's a waste of money. And I would go talk to them and tell them that. And they say, well, what would you do? And I come with something completely different, you know, off the wall, buzz generating type of stuff. And uh, you know that approach. I thought we started thinking about it, it. Just it felt like an arch rival. And so arch rival became our name. And. It felt right. It felt like us then. It still feels like us today. And we could get archrival.com. I mean, you know, these are early years. That was it available? Been, it was available. Wow. You believe it? <laughs> no. I know. It's so
1: it crazy. was meant to be. Yeah. We're like, okay, that's us. So we, we buy the domain and then that's us. So the year is 1997 and Clint has just graduated from college. He has a domain name and he's off to the races. Like most people that we speak with on this show, he too has decided to forego the career path that he studied for in college and start from scratch to try his hand at a less conventional career. What was your first office like at this time?
0: The, the very first one was way too big in a basement. A <laughs> <laughs> you know, very classic story. Okay. Um, was it so big that you were like throwing Nerf balls? What did you do with all the extra space? Oh yeah, I'm a big basketball fan. We, had a lot. we, we could we could throw a ball around down there. We hosted parties down there all the time. Like it's <laughs> way too big. Yeah. But you know, you have dreams, you have expectations, and whatever. Um, and so it was uh, it was real dark. We often called it the dungeon. Now, I would never have an office like that today, but I can tell you that at that point in time, actually, I'm really thankful that we had like this casino like feel where there was no windows and it was. It was kind of, you never know what time it was because we were grinding, you know? Like we were heads down. And in a lot of ways, you know, there's a part of me that missed some of my life because I was working so much, Mm -hmm. but also it allowed me to do some pretty fun things and get ahead in other ways. So Mm -hmm. I would never, I wouldn't trade it. I would never do that office now, but back then it actually was a pretty great, uh,
1: great idea for us. I hear about this tipping point with you where you did the car wash ad campaign. Can you tell me about that? Sure can. It's actually one of those
0: examples where I was like, oh, this guy's advertising in the newspaper that there is a new car wash and was telling everybody about it in this newspaper ad, which is like, you know, three inches by three inches in the fifth or sixth page of the, of the journal star. It's like, no one's reading it. I mean, no one's reading it 25 years ago. No one's reading it today. Like no one's ever reading this stuff. (laughs) But what else do you do? You know Mm -hmm. this guy does car washes, so you know you can't expect him to be an incredible marketer too. And I came up to him and said, "Hey, in exchange for car washes, of course, let me take whatever you know you're doing with the newspaper ad, and I'll I'll make it better." And this is me building my portfolio and and style, you know, figuring out my style. And he's like, "Okay, you're you're on. What are you gonna do?" And I was like, "I don't know," but we I came back with the idea that we're gonna go around and find all the dirty cars in Lincoln. That seems to be a really good target audience. And we were them tickets for having such dirty cars as though there was some new city law that you could not have a dirty car. And we would tell people they had a super dirty car and they could go to the car wash. To make it look really legit, I tracked down through some sources at the DMV, the actual supplier of, at that time, they had these really bright pink envelopes. I found the exact same supplier. Uh, everything was exactly the same as a real ticket that you would get on your car. And went dressed up as like a, you know, parking attendant type of person. And I went around downtown and littered all of these cars. I had a dirty car with a parking ticket. Now the ticket itself said, I mean, it was funny. Like you'd get the ticket, you know how mad you are when you see a ticket in a oh, car. Fuming. Oh, fuming. It's crazy. Uh-huh. I can't believe how mad people get. It's like, you know, $10 or whatever, but it's like, you just feel robbed, <laughs> violated. Problem. Yeah. I put all these tickets, people see it. I'd watch them, they'd get so mad. Like I have, they'd look at their meter, like I put money in the meter. How am I still <laughs> getting a ticket? You know, like it's even more infuriating. So you would watch them from around the corner oh, yeah. and see their reaction? Yeah, oh, and oftentimes, it. you know, I don't, I'd, I'd even get caught at times, you know, and oh. putting it down, they're like, what, what is this? I'd be like, oh, you have a dirty car. So, and then just walk <laughs> away and then be like, they'd be cursing at me, you know? And then I would eventually hear them laugh and be like, you got me so that so the inside was a ticket and the ticket said you had a dirty car and you could go get it cleaned at the new car wash which is downtown and uh you know most people you know 95 people understood that there was about five percent of the population that didn't get it and they went down to the dmv to pay for their ticket oh no now the dmv found out about this and this is like and oh, I, no. I suppose we're on the we're walking the gray area of mimicking public documents you know <laughs> yeah. or whatever forgery they don't find this funny at all okay they have the humor of like a brick wall so <laughs> And they issue this, like, they send us the cease and desist letter and all these things and, you know, to the car washing to us. And, um, now we had, we had also peppered the journal star parking lot with, with all these tickets as well. And so we made sure that the journal star knew that the DMV was really upset about it. So that they would then call us and interview us about this process, about what was going on. And so the next morning on the front page of the journal star is this controversy around these parking tickets, (sighs) right? It's great. And so it's, of course it's all talking about this crazy campaign, but it's also talking about the new car wash that's reopened, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm like, boom, there went from your three inch paid ad in the back, like you're now on the front page and it's an article that people are reading and this is so much better. Oh and then the news stations wanted to pick up on it for their nightly news. so. We made sure we had tons of people in the parking lot that were friendly to us. Like all our (laughs) friends were like, oh, I'm getting my car washed. I had a parking ticket, this is great. And they're interviewing as though they're real customers. And you know, we we set up the whole thing, of course. That's done like on a regular basis now, but back then that was like kind of like, you know, forefront of stuff.
1: Guerrilla marketing is using unconventional or surprise interactions to promote a product. And Clint has mastered the art through his car wash campaign. These kinds of campaigns happen all the time now on YouTube, but in the early 2000s, before Casey Neistat or viral marketing, no one knew about them. Things were happening for Clint and his business was moving.
0: The first time where I felt like, okay, we're getting somewhere was after doing all these sort of guerrilla advertising, guerrilla marketing for all these companies. We'd built a really pretty interesting portfolio around this style of work. And we had an opportunity to meet with Red Bull. Red Bull had just come to the U.S. They, they were challenged in how they were marketing Red Bull to, to U.S. consumers. They were still doing it as though they were in Europe and they needed help getting some some U.S. cultural gravitas. right? And everything that we had ever done in the history of our portfolio matched everything that Red Bull has ever done in the history of their much longer portfolio and it was when we sat down and met each other and we showed them everything about us, they showed me about them, it was honestly like we fell in love. And I remember that moment, it was like, wow, like we're gonna do some amazing things together. And we did, I mean, that, that was 15 years ago and we've been doing amazing things with them ever since. That was the first time where I was like, okay, these guys are legit, yeah. you know, they know what they're doing, they're really good at what they do and uh, we became a pretty significant partner for them for a, a good chunk of a, of a while. Rebel has an incredible attitude that they wanna just go in and sponsor, sponsor. they wanna go in and own the event. So they have a real premium approach to things and just, it really, we learned a ton from them. I mean, I always say that we grew up together. Uh, everything that they were doing in the US, we were a part of, but they were learning, we were learning, we
1: just we grew up together in a lot of ways. And was it just you and your co-founder at this point or do you have more people? Um,
0: when we, yeah, when we first started, it was us
1: two, but we, okay. we always added one over, over time, you know, in 2005, we probably had about seven or eight people. Okay. Okay. So when Red Bull came on, you were a full staff, you yeah. were an actual agency.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And okay. you never feel like you're legit. I mean, I, you know, even today I'm always like, yeah, we're a company. We've been around for over 20 years. We're do, we're doing great. You know, I, I'm always like, oh, are we like a real business? You know, like, <laughs> is this how other real businesses are? You know, I think, I think everyone who has a business always
1: feels that, Um, underneath like, are we doing the right things here? Like, I don't know. What about starting Arch Rival in Nebraska do you think was a benefit to you?
0: There's a lot of reasons why it's not a benefit. I'll start there. We Well, we were young, we had no experience and we were broke, okay? And Nebraska does not have the, or at least then, did not have the networking systems and support to help someone who would wanna start a business under those conditions. I don't know that's necessarily true today, but that was definitely true when we started. Um, but we didn't really care either. Like the, again, we didn't think of ourselves as entrepreneurs trying doing a startup that we just were doing. Okay. Um, today, what's been, when I look back, what's been very beneficial was overcoming all of that has brought us great confidence. And when I think about all the places you could start a business today. Oh, Austin's pretty cool. Madison's cool. You know, there's, there's so many interesting places in the world. Um, but they're already cool. And I thought I always thought that, you know, something I've been very proud of is doing this in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is a hidden gem. And, you know, going up against all the people on the coasts all the time for these over these national brands that we work with, there's a greater sense of pride, being able to do it from Nebraska, that I would not be able to get from anywhere else. So it, it's been a harder journey, probably, uh, to earn these clients and win these clients and provide great work for these clients. But the satisfaction of doing it from here is much greater. And that is something that, uh, you know, I, being able to live this lifestyle, the good life here, and do this kind of work that anyone nationally would wanna do, I mean, that really is the good life. So I, I think big picture, long-term, boiling has been the perfect spot for us and if you think about it going against the grain i mean there you go we should be in new york you know like that was, that's kind of agency we should be but we're not we're in lincoln and that's against the grain of of expectations boy that's what we do for our clients i've always been really s- surprised to find out how many people are out there who are from nowhere and will support and champion you because you are also from quote unquote nowhere and i can think of moments where i was in like a new york boardroom and this great presentation. They'll be like, Oh, this is so great. We want to hire you. What part of the city are you from? And I'd be like, Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, I'm not from the city here. I'm, I'm from Lincoln, Nebraska. And their minds would just be like blown away. they couldn't believe this. Like what, like, you know, I'm sure the image that they have of us is, you know, is probably pretty interesting. And then later, like the marketing director would come over after everyone's left. And she'd be like, I'm from Iowa. I'm so happy you guys are here. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so now I, I always thought of that as like a negative thing and and on the national scene. And now it's like one of the first things I tell people. Um, it's a
1: differentiator and
0: something I'm really proud of.
1: What would the the young Clint say about you now? The young Clint
0: would say, "Wow, our tribal is your sixth grade news newspaper, just done on a bigger scale."
1: Today, Art Travel works with major brands like Spotify, Hollister, and Adidas, and Clint still gets goosebumps when he talks about the work that he does. Art Travel won the 2016 Ad Age Agency of the Year Award, which is a huge honor, and they're not showing any signs of slowing down. I'm JT Martin, and this has been a Grindstone production. Grindstone is one of the premier production and marketing firms here in Lincoln, offering everything you need to grow your business in 2020. From video and podcast production to social media management and media buying, you can learn more by visiting GrindstoneAgency.com. There's our tribal, but there's a number of people who I
0: feel like now is able to put Lincoln on the map. People used to leave, but now they're staying and coming back. And it's, uh, I think it's, it's a lot, it's a lot more rewarding to help make a place cool than to go do it somewhere else.